Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Sunday. Beloved of God, let us pray. Almighty creator of heaven and earth, anoint us with holy oil and set us ablaze. Amen. Jesus is giving us a recipe today for a good and just and peaceful world. Once again, and reminding us not to overcomplicate things. You just take all the ingredients, good people, moral people, a community that cares for the poor and the weak, a little salt, a little light, you put it all together, and then you got to let it leaven. These simple things that he gives us, as I'm fond of saying, a bath and a meal, baptism, communion, simple things that anyone in the world can understand. These metaphors, they're always these comprehensible things that we find in our everyday life. I think that's one of the lasting powers of this tradition, of this faith, this movement called Christianity. They're small things, but they're often things that when they're added into our community, they make a a, a massive difference. Now the bulk of the ingredients in this recipe is the community. The Christian is the small, critical addition to that community that changes everything. He says yeast. The kingdom of of God is like yeast. Um, How much yeast do you need to leaven a whole pound of dough? A little tiny bit, a little bit. And he says today, we're like light. Light. In a place of deep darkness, how much light do you need to to shine through the dim unknown? You know, the human eye can can see the light of a single candle flame at the distance of a great horizon shining in the dark. And he says, salt. How much salt do you need to to season a dish? Just a little bit. A little bit. You ever mix up the salt and the sugar in your coffee? Doesn't take much. And later he says the mustard seed, right? It's a little bitty thing. It makes a big, makes a big bush that all the birds can make nests in. These things, he takes these small things. He uses these little things. He says with the little thing, you can do the big thing. But they've got to be applied. They've got to be applied. They've got to be added and mixed in, lit, ignited, for them to do the thing that they're intended to do. Jesus says that we're supposed to be salt. The Greek word that's used in the Bible is is halas, which means uh, to preserve, preservative, a mineral that he, uh, that's used for preservation. I laugh when I say this because when I was living in Mexico and I was trying to make up Spanish words, I once commented that the food was so good in Mexico because they didn't use preservatives, but I didn't know the word for preservative, so I said it was excellent because it didn't contain any preservativos. which is the Spanish word for um, condoms. Uh, it's a free lesson I'm giving you. And then don't respond by saying that you're embarrassed. So I said I was embarrassada, which is the Spanish word for pregnant. Um, that actually happened to me. Uh, anyway, that's not in the sermon. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, okay. The, word, the Greek word is preservative. We just say salt, but it's really just anything that you would add to food to preserve it. From the seeps, the caves, 
of his age, his day, was harvested these minerals that boil up from deep in the earth. They're distilled from ageless waters, the Dead Sea. You know what they make out of the Dead Sea today? They make lithium. Lithium, this critically important mineral that we need to power this planet. And it's salt. comes from the Dead Sea. These formations that kind of grow and they phosphoresce in the deep darkness. Some salts, like we think of today, as I just said, we used to season our food. But uh, back in those days, salt was also used as a purifying or cleansing agent. If you've ever spent time with the Mennonite people or with the Amish, they use salt to wash their bodies. Salt scrubs are all the rage, I guess, these days. An ancient word, a Hebrew word, niter, niter. In Hebrew, today, we use the same word, niter. Right? Niter, is, it's a salt. It was used by prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. He said, uh, for though thou wash thee with niter and much soap. Niter, the salt that comes out of the earth. And today we call it by its more common name, saltpeter, saltpeter. In Jesus' age, it would have been used to preserve food, create soap. Roughly 700 years ago, we figured out how to use that to make stuff explode. There's a salt that's used to season a delicious meal, and there's salt that we use to make gunpowder. Both, in small measure, make a significant change. What kind of salt are you, Christian? Both are used for preserving precious food from corruption. What kind of sodium is in you today? Maybe sodium chloride, sodium nitrate. Maybe a little bit of both in a chemistry lesson in church. In either case, be careful. Be careful. It doesn't take much. Salt to really screw up a recipe. Too much salt. And saltpeter, well, that stuff's dynamite. Once, when I was 10 years old, I hit a black powder primer cap with a ball-peen hammer. Now, in the great and common compendium that is known as stupid stuff that country boys do in the summer when they're bored, hitting the primer cap with a hammer is listed on page 5. It's... uh, right after throwing rocks at a hornet's nest, jumping off a bridge into a muddy river, shooting a single arrow from a bow straight up into the clear blue sky, grabbing onto an angry squirrel with your bare hands, eating bugs. I don't know. Good Lord. The fact that I am standing here in this pulpit preaching to you today is as good a sign of any the limitless charity of God's own grace, providence. Caused by my own devices, I did everything possible to get myself killed off before I could be of any use to my sainted father. But I'll tell you what, after we located the head of that ball-peen hammer and patched up the hole that it had made on its way through the sheetrock, he switched to rimfire ammunition. A few weeks later, the hearing returned to my right ear. Don't ever hit a blasting cap with a hammer, is what I'm trying to say. That's not in the Bible. I'm giving you that for free. 
Now, I didn't know what a primer cap was. It's a little bitty thing. It's a little bitty thing. It's, it's part of a round of black powder ammunition. I didn't know about firing pins or 10 pounds of pressure or any of that stuff. Yeah, I was 10 years old, and it was a shiny little brass thing. And when you've got a hammer, you've finished smashing up all of your brother's matchbox cars, well, you're going to go around hitting anything you can find. The devil put Jesus Christ on the cross. And the hammer that struck those iron spikes ignited an explosion that harrowed the depths of hell. It ripped the bolts right out of the gates of death. Now that's just a little bit of salt. A little bit of sodium nitrate in there. A little bit of gunpowder and 10 pounds of pressure. Christian, what's going to happen to the salt that's stored up in the furnace of your heart when the hammer strikes? And so what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? What good is that saltpeter if we fail to keep the powder dry? Maybe your salt is the kind that's used to start fires. Maybe it's the kind that takes a nutritious meal and makes it into a delicious meal. Huh? Not that you can't have both. You can have nutritious and delicious. That's why God invented fruit. But sometimes to make something nutritious and delicious, it takes a little salt. Salt to season food. Salt to start fires. Salt to preserve what's good for the hard times between the harvests and to give that which is good from one generation to the next. The key thing to remember and understand here is that the Christian, like the pinch of salt, like the primer, like the spark, the Christian, when it is introduced to the larger part, changes the larger part in its entirety. If we are being formed as disciples, if we are ingesting the truth that Jesus is pouring out into us, we don't need to take over the world. We don't need to run the show. We don't need to make everyone in our community think or act like we do. Jesus is clear. It takes only a little bit. We simply exist to carry our salt, our light, our levity into the world. How many Christians to save the world? How many? Uh, John Wesley lamented. He said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Is that the condition of the church today? Do 100 such preachers exist? I hope so. But this kingdom, this fire, this light spreads outward from us in all directions when it's revealed, whether we want it to or not. And this is why he says, don't bushel your light. Don't cover it up. Don't be ashamed. The candle, the lit lamp, the, the lamp itself cannot determine the 
distance the edges to which its light will spread. It has no authority over that. It can only shine. And how far will the light go? Well, to the ends of the universe at a constant speed. Pastor Martin Niemöller, in the late 30s and early 40s, was preaching to his congregation in Germany. They were part of the Confessing Church. And he was preaching to them during the terrible depths of the rise of the Third Reich, the World War II and the Holocaust there in Germany. He's a Christian preaching to his little flock. And each week they would read aloud the names of the members of their church who had been disappeared, arrested. And the fear among that little church, amongst those Christians, was threatening to set into their bones. Uh, indeed, after one of his sermons, he himself, Pastor Martin himself, was uh, arrested and imprisoned. They put him in uh, Dachau concentration camp for seven years. But he yet preached. And he preached to the members of that church who were themselves terrified of being arrested. And he said to them, do not take up the bushel. He said, I've not lit the candle for you to put it underneath a bushel in order to protect it from the wind. Away with the bushel. The light should be placed upon a candlestick. We are not to worry whether the light is extinguished or not. That is his concern. We are only to see that the light is not hidden away. Let your light shine before men. Well, you and I here today in this beautiful space, in this beautiful sanctuary, in this beautiful city, Grand Rapids, Michigan, our hearts are salt cellars for the word of God. We preserve that which is good, we season that which is bland. We ignite that which needs burning. Your only choice is to bushel it or not. God put that salt in you. You can't take a handful of gunpowder and say, I declare that this gunpowder is going to have no effect on the campfire that I'm about to throw it into. You blow yourself up doing that. God put that light into you. You can only choose whether or not to let it shine. Christian, the only real choice before us today is whether we're going to keep the salt in our heart or add it to the world around us. And that's the choice. It has to be a choice. It has to be a choice. God cannot force us. God can only invite us. It's not to choose whether or not the Word of God is effective. We don't choose what's in here. We don't even get to determine the distance to which the light shines. We have no control over that. We don't determine the temperature at which the gunpowder burns. We don't determine the saltiness in the salt given to the food. But whether or not we will choose to add ourselves to the world and then let the word of God work through us 
Preaching professor Carolyn Lewis says, it's not enough to, it's not enough to know about God. It's not enough to know about God. As disciples, we have to be the activity of God in the world. You hear that? We are the activity of God in the world. You have it in you. Now, of its temper or temperature or flavor or strength, I don't know whether yours is the salt that brings out good flavors in our life together, or whether yours is the salt that ignites the fires of God's justice out there in the mission field. And I suspect that each of you have a measure of both in you, yourselves, you'll know which you have in abundance. But don't forget that it's there. Your heart is the salt cellar, the furnace, the source of God's light. Share it, share it. You can't control how far it goes, so don't worry about that. Whether it's burning light reaches a thousand leagues into deep darkness, or whether it simply shines and illuminates the space between you and the person sitting right beside you and reveals in that space the presence of Jesus Christ. Don't worry about that. It's not our job to worry about the impact, the distance, the measure, the volume. We don't need to worry about the numbers. We worry instead about the bushel basket. Don't bushel your light. Don't stockpile your salt. Okay, now, let's shine. Salt for the food, oil for the lamp, makes light for the world. Amen? Amen.